Welcome to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Winning, founder of the Motherhood Circle and creator of the Journey into Motherhood program. I'm a mother of two and have had two unplanned and unneeded C-sections and am planning my first home and vaginal birth. My own journey has sparked a deep passion to support women to find their own voice and strength to create the pregnancy, birth and motherhood experience you desire. This podcast is for women wanting to learn more about VBACs especially home births and for professionals who want to learn more about how to support VBAC home birthing women. Inside, we're going to share women's stories from surgical birth to achieving their vaginal home birth after cesarean. Now let's get started. Hey, me again. I just wanted to let you know that I've just created a brand new Facebook group called VBAC Home Birth Support Group where you can connect with other like-minded mothers who are looking to have a VBAC home birth as well. You can find the link in the show notes and I look forward to seeing you there. Hi Emma, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited that you're here to share your story. So please introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Emma. Um, I live in the Sunshine Coast at the moment, but we've traveled around a lot. So my birth story is from a few different places. Um, I have two children. James is almost five and Elodie is 18 months old. Awesome. So you're not too far from me either because (laughs) I'm North Gold Coast. Um, Yeah. So not too far. I mean, it's a few hours drive, but yeah, not too far. So it's always (laughs) nice. We're kind of (laughs) local-ish. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So um, please start off with sharing your pregnancy and your first pregnancy and, uh, and your birthing story. Yep. So uh, I um, was pregnant with and had James in the UK. Um, it was a pretty straightforward pregnancy uh, until about 40 weeks when I got a pup's rash, but that was the only thing <laughs> that was uh, that happened there. Um, and yeah, in the UK, it's all midwife led care, community midwives, um, unless there's any issues. And then you see a doctor. So um, yeah, they classed me as a high BMI, but said if I wanted to, I could still birth at home or the birth center or the hospital. It was up to me. Um, I chose our local birthing center. Um, there were I was in between two and I chose one not attached to the hospital. Um, I chose not to birth at home because we lived in a small apartment and sort of had my family coming to visit from Australia, coming and going. So, yeah, I just thought, yeah, we'll meet in the middle and go to the birth centre. And the birth centres are pretty nice and homely, aren't they? Oh, they're amazing. They're massive bathtubs, you know, um, uh, the silks I guess you like the silk sort of things hanging from the ceilings Mm -hmm. um for support that you can pull on and balls and mats and yeah they're just beautiful this is what Um, I think every birthing room should have regardless of where you're birthing this should be you know a uh, bare minimum yeah definitely there's so many um so yeah they really encourage active birth oh that's good which yeah is just amazing um yeah so it was all yeah just sort of going along and then I got to about 41 weeks and uh they said that they would offer an induction at 41 plus five um 
and if things all went ahead, I could still birth at the birth centre. Um, they then said that if I did have the induction, they would prefer me to be at the birth centre at the hospital, but I could still choose the other one if I wanted to. So, um, yeah, sort of leading up to birth, they were very, uh, very much about choice and, um, yeah, very great with that. Um, so, yeah, I got to 41 plus 5 and uh, the way it works over there, they um, do pessaries for induction. So I went in and um, had my first pessary and then I could go home. Uh, What's so a pessary? That was, Is that like a capsule that they put in? Um, so the first two that I had were kind of like a tampon. They're on a bit of string and, mm. um, yeah, they slowly release the hormone okay. uh, or the artificial hormone um yeah. yeah so i had the first 24 hour one and i could go home for 24 hours um so i went home and i was on the ball and walking the stairs and yeah nothing really happened so then i went in the next day and um for the second pessary and i wasn't yeah i didn't really realize that i would not be going home um, that I would be staying in hospital and I was feeling a bit emotional. Um, so my husband went and spoke to the midwife for me and she came and said, I could go home if I wanted to. It was my choice. They recommended to stay. And yeah, it was just more for me that I didn't realise that was what was happening really. Um, but I decided to stay. Um, so yeah, that night, I while I was in hospital as well, I could walk the stairs. I had a room to myself. I could walk the stairs, be on the ball. Um, yeah, just sort of keep moving and keep active. Um, yeah, they had a bed with different positions and that, but I didn't need that yet. Um, so I, uh, yeah, another 24 hours and nothing really happened. So uh, that was at, so on 42 weeks, that was the Friday, they, um, came in to give me a 12-hour pessary, which was a capsule. It was dissolvable. So I had that one and had a few nickels that night, um, but nothing too intense, and it all sort of fizzled out before the next day. So the next day, the doctor was due to come in and speak about breaking my waters and starting the drip, and we sort of waited all morning, then at lunchtime, my husband Craig and my mum went to get some lunch downstairs and I was just waiting still for the doctor <laughs> who came in while they were downstairs. Um, and he said to me that he would do an, uh, an exam and see whether they could break my waters. Um, and he said it in those words, so I just thought that they would assess and let me know and we would talk about it um, and then come to a decision. However, he meant he would break my waters then. So, um, yeah, he did the exam, broke my waters and, um, yeah, I was sort of left there without my mum and husband, my support people. Um, but when they broke my waters, uh, they also put a fetal scalp monitor on uh, James's head and he um, his heart rate was low and they thought that they had just not attached it quite right so they reattached it 
but it was still low. So they asked me to turn over onto my left side. So yeah, then things all, all recovered okay. Um, and they, gave, they said they would sort of come back in about two hours and see how I was going and talk about the drip. That was a bit of a um, different ex experience to the midwives who were kind of working with you and asking what you wanted and giving you choice versus the obstetric team who came in or this particular OB who came in and kind of decided this was happening and uh, didn't ask for consent for some of the things. Yeah, absolutely. It, it um, definitely put me out a little bit. I felt a bit um, shocked and yeah, I wasn't mm. quite prepared for that after such a positive experience so far. Mm. Um, and I was absolutely feeling like I had done hypnobirthing. I, um, I'm quite passionate about birth. I've always been interested in it. I, it's, it's definitely a passion. Mentions and I just, I, I felt very um, out of control, like not in control, which I guess, yeah, it's sort of always is a little bit, but, you know, can never be fully in control. But, yeah, it's just, it, it wasn't what I expected and I, I wasn't how I expected to be. Um, but they, yeah, they said two hours and then um, it, was, it was three before they came to get me, but nothing had really started. Um, just a few niggles, but not full labour by any means. Um, so they took me over to the the labour room, and um, they started the drip quite low. And yeah, I was feeling very emotional, thinking that I would have to be sitting on the bed and I couldn't move around. I really wanted an active labour. Uh, I had a really great midwife at that point who said, no, you can be on the ball. We'll put the ball next to the bed. You can move into a position that's comfortable for you. Um, so that was really positive. Um, however, she changed shift after about two hours. So I think that was about 4 p.m. that I moved over to that room from memory. Um, and then, yeah, after about two hours, I had a change of midwife and uh, she did an exam and I was about two centimetres. So after about three days of induction pessaries and breaking my waters and um, probably an hour of being on the drift, I was still at two centimetres. And she so said... How long, sorry, how long had it been since your waters were broken at this point, roughly? About three or four hours. Okay, so three or four hours for the water's broken and then an hour since they started the drip. Yes, yes, okay. that's right. Um, I, uh, sorry. They, yeah, so she, the midwife said to me that she felt that uh, the baby or James was um, posterior and I was feeling everything a lot in my back and yeah, the contractions on the drip even low were really intense for me. Um, so over the space, things sort of just kept going as they were the really intense um, induction back labor. Um, and he had a few heart rate drops where they asked me to go onto my left side and it was all going very slowly 
in my eyes. So I asked for an epidural because it was just tough and I was exhausted. <laughs> um, when during one of the uh, heart rate drops that James had, I I was cuddling with my mum and I just said, I feel like I need a C-section. I just want to go and have it. It's, it's too much. And she said, it's okay. It's all right. And it was sort of reassuring me. Um, and then when they had, when they were doing the epidural, he had another heart rate drop and they started to talk themselves about a C-section, um, which I think in my body, I just knew was going to happen. <laughs> um, so they got the paperwork sorted. I wasn't, I didn't end up having the epidural, uh, because he had had the heart rate drop. Uh, so paperwork was all sorted and they took me down. This would have been about 11.30 uh, that he had that heart rate drop and it was about quarter to when I was lying. Yeah, probably it was quarter to when I was lying on the bed anyway. I could see the clock uh, lying in the operating theatre. Uh, and I said to them, oh, it's, you know, quarter to midnight, so I guess he's going to be born tomorrow. And they sort of said to me, we can get them, get the babies out pretty quick and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and so he was born at two minutes to midnight that night. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it took a bit longer to stitch up. Uh, he was okay. His head, like, he was um, healthy and fine. His head was very cone-shaped. Um, he was, yeah, pretty stuck in that posterior position in my pelvis. Um, it didn't take too long. It took a couple of days for his head to sort of get back to his normal shape. Um, yeah, so they took me to recovery and my mum and Craig were there, were able to come there with me and Craig's mum was actually able to come then as well, which was really nice. And he had his first feed. He just latched on and, yeah, he, he did really well with his first feed. Um, they yeah had put me on my side in recovery so that I could do sideline breastfeeding and they were really supportive of that. Uh, yeah, then they took me down to the um, the ward and I was there. So that was about midnight on the Saturday and I was home about midday on the Monday. So they don't. They get you up pretty quickly the next morning. I was up having a shower and, yeah, they let you go home pretty quick, which was great. Um, yeah, the aftercare support in the UK was really, really good. I had a midwife for a week who would come to my home and check on us and make sure that breastfeeding was going well. And then when we were signed off from the midwifery care, I had a health visitor who is a nurse who comes along and um, yeah she was really supportive as well and my my mum had come over from Australia and had to leave uh, about two weeks after James was born and yeah the health visitor rang to check on me to make sure I was doing okay with that um, which was obviously really tough but yeah, she she checked on me and made sure it was all okay. I I felt like I had a few issues with my and I couldn't get into the doctors and I was feeling really defeated and I rang my health visitor and she just supported me so well to 
to get into the doctors and get dressings changed and help from the nurses. And I was really, really thankful for that. Wow. Uh, so, so like a little pet, like a person like who supports you and emotionally supports you and, and kind of helps, you know, tee everything up for you. Yeah, that's right. She, um, I don't know if I just got a really good one. They, um, they have, you have a health visitor care until children go to school in the UK. So they come and um, do your child checks and uh, as they're progressing, as they get older, but yeah, they're sort of as much as you need them. You know, if you need a bit more help and ask for it, they, they will come and uh, they give you information about uh, baby led weaning and starting solids and um, childhood milestones and things like that. So it's really handy to have someone to come to your home for all of that. Yeah, I think we've got similar here, but we call them health nurses, child health yeah. nurses. But I think you only get the support, it depends in Australia whereabouts you are, but I think you get the support for a week or two after you've had your baby and then afterwards you need to go to the clinics, I think. That's how it works here. So it would be cool to have yeah. someone come to your home. Yeah, it's really good. And obviously, like, it depends who you get as well because I had some friends with some not-so-great health visitors, but I, yeah, I had a really great one. Um, and I moved areas um, and so, yeah, in a different NHS trust and still had a really good one. So I was really thankful for, for that help along the way. Um, yeah, because I, I did feel a little bit deflated, I guess, about um, having a cesarean and, ha and the way that things went. And my health visitor spoke, my second health visitor that I had, she spoke to me about that and was really supportive and uh, got me a birth debrief with the consultant midwife of the area, which was just fantastic to be able to talk it through. She had all my birth notes and, yeah, was speaking speaking to me about that and just said it wasn't it wasn't anything you did and it wasn't you as you know like it yeah it wasn't me it was just that the induction didn't work it didn't happen it wasn't it wasn't my body it wasn't anything like that it was the induction itself which for me that really helped me to not see that it was my choices necessarily it was just the induction it it didn't work out for me that's so amazing to hear that, like to have a healthcare professional actually say, look, this is the induction and this is what happens sometimes with induction because quite often the woman is blamed or, you know, they, they skirt around the fact that, you know, it's the intervention. Yeah. And so many first-time mums have failed inductions and it's not a failure of their body, it's a failure of the intervention. And unfortunately from my experience it isn't something that's often explained at the beginning or before the process of induction which would be kind of helpful i mean i personally when i went in for mine i didn't even know that they could fail i thought i was literally going in there and, and that day my baby was going to shoot out <laughs> because yeah yeah absolutely. there was yeah. no discussion about risk or you know the fact that it could fail or the fact that they knew that it was probably going to fail um yeah. Say so it's so good to hear that. It made me feel really happy that you got that, you know, support yeah, absolutely. afterwards. Absolutely. I, I thought it was really great because I didn't even know it was an option to have that sort of debrief with uh, someone who was in my area who, um, yeah, has lots to do with birthing mothers in my area. And, yeah, it was, it was just really, really positive um, 
to have that meeting and it was definitely the start for me for my healing and she said to me there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't have a be back next time um and that yeah really kicked off my confidence it was great um and then we moved to australia not long after that <laughs> and so james was probably about six months old when i had that birth debrief and we moved back to australia um when he was one so yeah we moved around a little bit we were living in mudgee in new south wales and um I fell pregnant with Elodie and uh, we found out three days after my husband was made redundant from his job. So we were facing moving from, from our small town to Perth and I wasn't keen to leave Mudgee. I really loved it there. But when Craig said, we're going to Perth, I said, can I have a home birth? Can we have a home birth midwife for our next baby? And he said, yep, we will we'll work that into the budget. So, Yay. <laughs> um, yeah, he was really supportive. And he comes from the UK where, I mean, home birth, it, it just happens all the time. Yeah. And it's like NHS, it's free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I love that so much. I was born yeah. in the UK. So, and uh, as a side note, I was born in the UK, but I've lived here my whole life. So I kind of feel a bit ripped off <laughs> living, yeah. living here yeah. and hearing these stories. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a difference. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so I asked in a, I'm not, I think I asked in the home birth Facebook group if anyone knew of midwives that do be back, be back home birth in Perth, and someone recommended Narafia, and I called her and um, spoke to her, and we made plans to meet when we moved to Perth, but I was pretty much set on having Narafia uh, as our midwife, which I did. <laughs> um, she said, you know, it's okay to call other midwives and these are other ones way who also do feedback. And I said, nope, it's you. <laughs> so we met up once I got to Perth and had our first appointment. And yeah, again, a pretty straightforward pregnancy nothing happened thankfully did not have that itchy rash again um so yeah that was really good i was doing i went to the chiropractor from about 24 weeks and i was uh, changing i had different posture so i i really didn't want a posterior baby again and was sort of doing everything i could to avoid that uh, and in my mind, I went uh, past my due date because I had a posterior baby. And I had been having, with Elodie's pregnancy, I had been having Braxton Hicks since quite early on. Um, I'm pretty sure it was before 20 weeks. And I just thought, yep, this is great. I'm, I'm not going to go so over. <laughs> and... I got to 40 weeks and I just started feeling a bit deflated that I was still pregnant because I had tried so hard not to have a posterior baby and she wasn't. And why wasn't this happening? And I, I didn't want to have to get to 42 weeks and start going to the hospital and 
talking about what we were going to do sort of thing like I just that was my main reason that I didn't want to get to 42 weeks and had your midwife said to you at you know at 42 weeks that was kind of the limit or um cut off where you would then need to go to hospital care or you'd need to start to see obstetricians or something like that yeah she said that well at 42 weeks we had an appointment to go to see the obstetrician but um yeah we i didn't have to necessarily birth there um depending on how it all went and the talks and the um if i wanted to get checks and things like that um so i was 41 plus three when i decided to get acupuncture um just to really give it a go <laughs> um and so that was the monday i i um went monday afternoon i went for the acupuncture and i i had for about a week been having niggles on and off um feeling a bit more than braxton hicks but nothing, it, it always sort of fizzled out. So when I went for the acupuncture, I was getting those same sort of niggles. I was just, I was sitting in there feeling like things were getting started. Um, and then, yeah, it all sort of fizzled out again. And the next day I sort of had a cry to my husband that, you know, I'd, he was fly and fly out and I'd asked him to stay home uh, since I think it was about 39 weeks and so yeah he was home from work and I was upset that it was taking up our postpartum time together and I was just feeling quite emotional um, and so I sort of let that all out to him and then the next morning so this was the Wednesday morning at 6am I woke up to feeling a bit wet and I just felt so excited that my body was actually doing something. Because <laughs> for me, I was confident that my body could birth. I was confident in VBAC. I, I knew the stats. I knew the risks of both VBAC and repeat cesarean. And I just was confident that my body could do it. But the one thing I was worried about was actually starting labor, going yep. into labor. I can relate to that so much as well. It's just like... Yeah you know but you don't until it actually happens and you're like oh my god my body's working yeah. it's doing it, it and then you're just like this is the miracle <laughs> yeah absolutely so it was such a great feeling um i had an appointment with my midwife she was coming around that morning um uh just yeah to have a the appointment and so i sent her a message and she said oh great i'll, I'll still come for the appointment so yeah, I took James to um, kindy that day and I was sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, well, things will be going and I sort of won't be, won't be there to pick him up sort of thing. And it, it wasn't a lot of waters. It wasn't a big gush or anything like that. And then it didn't continue throughout the day. So I was doing some walking uh, when Narafia came for the appointment that day we went for a walk and my second midwife also came 
and we just walked around the neighborhood um, to see if things could get going a little bit. And yeah, they didn't really. <laughs> Uh, that night I had a pretty good night's sleep and the next day I just was so keen to get things started before that 24 hour sort of that the hospital had suggested 24 hours before they would have liked me to go in and I was walking around it was uh, a bit rainy um, and I just was walking around the neighborhood. I had my headphones in and Narafia called me and she said, what, what do you want to do? The hospital suggests to go in and they would like to see you. And at that point, I just felt like I was, I was, um, I just sort of said, I just need a bit more time, like thinking that I had to go in and I had to go to the hospital, but I still wanted more time. And she just said, okay, that's fine. You can have, you know, like we won't go today. Um, and I was just, oh, okay. Like it's, I don't need to ask it. It is my decision. And I sort of felt this little boost of confidence there. That's nice. Yeah, it was really great. So she they wanted me to go in for antibiotics because uh, for IV antibiotics because of the um, the time it had been since I'd had some water leakage. And uh, Narafia said, "I can I can do that for you at home, or you can say no, you don't want anything, or you can have oral antibiotics." And I was checking my temperature the whole time, and it was fine. And I said, "I'm." I'm happy to have oral antibiotics and just like make a little compromise. Um, so I, she got that prescription for me and I, I was taking those as needed. And then, yeah, I just was, again, just walking around, gutter walking, doing figure eights on the board, dancing, just trying to encourage things along a little bit. And they were slowly, slowly getting there, slowly working its way up. Uh, so that night, the Thursday night, things did start to, to get a little more. Um, and around 11 o'clock, Craig and I were going to go for a walk around the neighbourhood, um, up the hills and things, just, <laughs> just trying. And uh, Narafia ended up coming and... Craig got some sleep and Naraka and I walked. And every so often I would have to stop and um, just bend my legs a little bit. And Naraka was supporting me with her back. We were standing back to back every time a contraction would come. And yeah, she was physically supporting me as well as obviously emotionally. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were walking around and yeah, things were getting pretty regular by the time that I got home. I was feeling, um, I also was doing the, using my baby wrap to do some of the spinning babies, um, abdominal lift and tuck, uh, just to sort of help to get uh, Elodie engaged. And yeah, just different things, um, a little bit of rebozo and uh, some, like a sideline release that they 
they recommend when things are a bit slow. Um, so yeah, doing those things as well, just um, physically trying to help things as they could go. So by sort of half past midnight on the Friday, I was feeling pretty tired. Oh, I had tried to go into the birthing pool because it was feeling pretty intense, but I guess I just, it was too soon. I was too relaxed in there and things slowed down whenever I got in the pool. So I had to um, get back out again. And yeah, I lied on my side, which was the most comfortable and just got a little bit of sleep in between contractions. Um, that morning, James was due to go to kindy. So uh, my husband took him and in my mind, I thought, yes, today is the day you're going to come home as the big brother. So he went off to kindy and uh, Narafia had called uh, my second midwife who um, actually had to, couldn't be there for the full day. She had something that she had to be at. So she called her in the morning just to come for a bit more support as well as a doula friend of hers and they they were all sort of there in the morning I was standing out in the sunshine in my backyard and for me I think that's the time that things really properly kicked off I guess. Did you have um, your main midwife with you throughout that whole time or was she kind of consulting yeah, so away? From, from 11 p.m on the Thursday she was okay. there so she slept on our couch and got a bit of rest as yep. well throughout the night. So that's um, nice. So you had that extra support and then you called your doula and then you had your second midwife come as well. Yeah, so um, the the doula actually wasn't, I hadn't planned on having a doula. Oh. Um, it was a friend of Narafia's. and oh. yeah. That worked out uh, well. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. It worked out really well. Um, so I met her on that day and she was absolutely lovely and so helpful. So, yeah, it was, it was nice that we all sort of connected. <laughs> um which we, yeah, we did sort of in my backyard in the sunshine. Really nice moment, just having sort of women around me. And, um, yeah, it was very lovely. So then I, um, yeah, was doing the abdominal lift and tuck and some rebozo and the sideline release. And then I got in the shower. Um, and I pretty much stayed there the rest of the day. <laughs> Um, just sort of humming and doing my hypnobirthing and, um, I, oh, during the night as well, I'd asked for a vaginal exam and I was two centimeters, which I'm sure not that many people get super happy about, but I was because that's sort of all I had gotten to with James and I was there without any help, um, you know, any any um, medical help, I guess. Any interventions. And, yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, I was just super happy, super proud that I had gotten there. And, um, yeah, I was doing it. Did you have, yeah. like, positive mantras going through your head, like encouraging yourself or, you know, like you're doing this or anything like that? Yeah, so um, one for me was you deserve this. Like mm. you, you deserve a, this beautiful birth that you have been working hard yeah. for. Like you deserve it, you deserve it. And that's definitely where I got to um, sort of in the shower, I was saying it to myself. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. and definitely you can do this and it's happening. And um, I had uh, 
positive birth affirmations around the birthing school and that I'd sort of made up for myself that were, yeah, things that really spoke to me about how I was, you know, how I thought I would be sort of going on and what would help me during labour and, yeah, and, like, pictures that just made me feel good. Um, I had some really beautiful photos taken during my pregnancy and so I had those up there because they just made me feel really nice. Um, yeah, so I had the space sort of all set up, although I had imagined that it would be night time, so I had fairy lights and things, but as it turns out, I laboured mostly or all through the day. Um, so, yeah, in the shower and I'd, I'd asked for another exam and I was eight centimetres. I'm, I'm not quite sure what time that was. Um, but nearing probably about two, two or 2.30. I bet you were ecstatic. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, I was, I, just, I was nearing transition and I was at the point where I just was starting to feel like I can't do this for much longer and I thought I would be pushing by now sort of thing. Um, I had, Narafia had also been on the phone to the hospital because I was, I was 42 weeks exactly and I was meant to go in that morning for the appointment and she had called and cancelled it but the obstetrician was asking to speak to me and she asked me if I wanted to do that. And Your labour while yeah. you were labouring. Yeah. Let me I, just I, make a coffee. <laughs> I, said, I said yes that I would. Um, yep. As it turns out, I... I'd been getting pretty frustrated with being in the shower. So by the time he called, I was sitting on the toilet, just <laughs> waiting, um, trying to get into a comfy position. And he called and I had, he was sort of saying, oh, you can come in with your, with your team, you know, like you can still have your midwife there and everything. Uh, we would like you to come in. And I had this quite long contraction on the phone to him and he what I'd passed while I was having that contraction, I passed it to my midwife, passed the phone to my midwife. And then uh, when I got back on the phone to him, he said, but it's, you know, it's up to you and what you want to do. <laughs> and, um, maybe he heard where I was at, but I, <laughs> um, I decided to stay home anyway. However, oh. once I got back in the shower after that conversation, I was going I said to my midwife, I, I want to go in. I, you know, I need, I need an epidural. It's taking too long. I can't do this any longer. And she had just sort of smiled at me and said, like, it's happening. We, we can't go anywhere. You know, you, you're okay. It's safe. And um, she's going to be here really soon. And so I was just, I had swollen feet. I couldn't get the temperature right. I was just feeling a bit frustrated. We got kitchen and um, Craig and mum were sort of filling the pool up and again and sort of getting it warm and everything. And I, um, I felt this feeling. <laughs> um, and the only way I can explain it is, and it sounds awful, but um, <laughs> that feeling that you get when you're, when you're vomiting and you just, you have that ejection, it's the fetal ejection reflex, but it's just that uncontrollable urge to get something out. 
and I, yep. just, I had that, that full-on yeah so I had I had one of those and I was just okay that was something and uh, I was getting frustrated waiting for the pool to fill up so I got back in the shower which was probably not helpful for the pool filling up but anyway I, I wanted to be back in there and I had another one with the next contraction so I said And she said, oh, yeah, I thought I heard, heard that sound, <laughs> that sort of moan sound. Um, so I, once the pool was filled up, I got in and had a few more of those uh, fetal ejection reflexes with each contraction. And the pool was just amazing. It would just really ease things for me. I, I was sort of, I felt like I was sleeping in between contractions. I could just get they changed to be a bit more spaced out, I guess. So I could, I just had a little bit more rest as my body was doing its thing. I, I didn't push at all. Um, I, I didn't, I felt like I didn't put physical strain or effort in, but my body obviously did. Um, so yeah, it was around it was almost four o'clock when my husband said, I have to go get James from kindy. And Narafu and I both sort of said to him, you can't go now. And he said, it's okay, I'll be back in time. It's only, it's only 20 minutes, it's fine. And so- 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so he went. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was in the pool, it, and, <laughs> he's just walked past me smiling <laughs> um yeah he it was probably 15 minutes later I I didn't really feel the um ring of fire as uh, people say I I felt like almost bone movement <laughs> um and yeah she her head was crowning and she she still had um her bag of waters really so it definitely wasn't a full water leak that I uh, yeah it wasn't my full waters that had happened two days before um, her bag of waters was still there and it sort of burst and in the water you could see it and then she was born her head and body all in one one fetal ejection reflex Wow. <laughs> um, he just flew out and mm. I wasn't really expecting it to happen so so quick, but I managed to catch her and um I had quite a short cord. So I was it was a she was still in the water, it was um but yeah, I could have her comfortably with her head out, but it wasn't like right up to me per se. Um yeah, so that was just amazing, this amazing feeling. Uh, my mum actually got to video it all for Craig, which I just, I love looking back on it. It's just crazy that what our bodies can do. Um, and I just, I cried. I couldn't believe that I'd done it. And she was born at home and she was there and it was just beautiful um, and hard. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, I, I can't describe that feeling. I just sort of cried into her as I was, oh my goodness, you're here. Uh, 
so yeah she she was healthy and perfect and she cried not long after she was um, born and didn't stop for a little while <laughs> um, then Craig and James came home and I was still in the pool so it, it wasn't that long after uh, yeah, I was still in the pool and it was just beautiful for James to come home and see his baby sister that he had been so excited about. And then uh, his the husband was probably shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he was expecting it a little bit. He said to me afterwards, he felt like um, he felt like he shouldn't have been there, like that it was sort of, yeah, just a, it was a really nice women's sort of circle. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he just sort of felt that feeling, which, yeah, was, it was funny for him to say that and say that, yeah, he, he felt it was okay that he wasn't there. That's nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah, James met his sister and then two minutes after he said, I want to go watch TV. So, <laughs> so As they do. <laughs> yeah, like, Can I go watch my show? Oh, goodness. Uh, How old was he? He was three and a half. Yeah. Typical yeah. three-year-old. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I have that on video as well. Okay, can I do this? <laughs> so cute. Uh, yeah, it's very funny. Um, and then, yeah, I just, okay, I think I'm having contractions again. <laughs> and I should be kind of shocked about that. I didn't really think about, okay, now I have to birth this placenta. Um, so, yeah, it was it didn't feel like very long for me, but looking back on photos, it was probably about 45 minutes. Um, but for me, it felt like I was only in there for 10 minutes after she was born. But I, I stood up to get out of the birth school and Narafia said, I think the placenta is just there. Like it's a very short cord and um, just push and see if it will come out with the next contraction. And it did. So yeah, that was the first time that I actually uh, pushed I feel um to birth the placenta so yeah it came out and it was all fine the placenta was um all good and yeah we sat and um just relaxed Elodie had a little bit of a feed not not much though so, uh which has been her sort of personality the whole time with breastfeeding <laughs> she is her she just is quick and small amounts so um, looking back I'm not surprised and then I um, yeah after the after the cord was all white uh, it Craig cut the cord we had a cord tie tied the cord and cut the cord and um, then I had a shower and hopped into I had a shower hopped into bed and Narafia checked me while I was in my bed um, and she said that it um, it looks like a two centimetre tear so uh, a second degree tear so um, then I would have to go to hospital. So I had something to eat and she had a um, a little bit of a difficult time with the hospital on the phone uh, for me to go in. So 
I, she, she sorted it all out for me, thankfully. And I went in and they checked and they said, oh, it's just a second degree tear. And then when they cleaned me up, they realized that it was actually a lot more. And it was a 3C tear. So I had to go into theater to have that stitched up. And I was just so exhausted that even before I went in, I was falling asleep as the doctor was trying to talk to me and I was just so tired. So my husband was there with Elodie um, and she was very content with him. And um, yeah, so I just slept through the whole surgery. Um, I was just exhausted and then, yeah, went into recovery and it was all fine. The healing from that was not a problem. It was, it was all very straightforward for me. I didn't have any issues with it. Um, yeah. So that's good that you didn't have any problems healing from your third degree tear. Yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, I, they, um, sent me to a postpartum physio as well. And she was, she said that the healing was great. So, um, yeah, it was, I thought it was very good that they did that as well to see the, the physio. Um, yeah, that was just a great extra bit of support to have. Absolutely. I think it's um, something that comes with, I think for third, fourth degree tears, that a lot of you get recommended, you know, referred on to a physio, a woman's physio, which is yeah. really good. I think everybody should have it really regardless of tear or not. I think it's... Um, a great resource to have and Definitely. Yeah, just um, just that different kind of support that that you don't usually get unless you seek it out and mm. um, I think a lot of women I, I didn't really even know it was a thing until I needed it so um, but I think it would be very positive for, for everybody to have. Mm. And how did, how did you feel from this postpartum to your last postpartum like c-section healing versus vaginal birth healing how, how was the comparison between the two for you um I remember being afraid to it was a similar timing I guess as in uh birthing uh being I was sort of stitched up at midnight and into recovery and then to have my c-section at midnight as well so I sort of could compare the two the next day and I was kind of nervous this time to get up because I expected it to be the same as my c-section and when I got up I was pleasantly surprised that I could yeah I could walk quite easily and I could sort of shower myself quite easily and it just didn't feel as um, difficult or painful or um, slow um, yeah the healing was quite fast and and it was quite a big tear but it was yeah it the healing was still better than a c-section um for me anyway that's good and how, and are you still breastfeeding a little one now she's how old is she seven months old now uh, she's 18 months now oh, um, it was last yeah. year was it <laughs> yeah, <last> year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes she's 18 months so yeah she's still feeding oh, well um done. Yeah, the postpartum with Elodie was a bit difficult because my husband went back to fly and fly out work when she was 10 days old and my mum flew back to Queensland when she was uh, just over two weeks old. Mm -hmm. um, so it was actually amazing to have 
Narafia. They're mm. coming to me and she's also a, um, a masseuse. So I got my postpartum massages nice. and yeah, it was great. Um, so yeah, that was really, really helpful for me um, because I did feel um, a bit more low in this postpartum than I did with James. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and I didn't have as good a support group as I did with James because we hadn't been in Perth that long Mm -hmm. so yeah uh we with that in mind we decided to move back to Queensland where family was uh when Elodie was about six months old just so I could have a bit more support from family and friends close by and that has made a massive difference I also saw a psychologist postpartum uh because I just was I really felt I needed a bit of extra support um yeah, and that was fantastic. I had an amazing psychologist. So I, I also think that most, well, not just mums, but everybody should, should yeah. have a psychologist. It's so helpful. Like a coach behind you, someone to talk yeah. to and cheer on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Someone unbiased who can, you know, you can talk things through and they, they understand how people's minds work, I guess. So um, a bit more. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's definitely, it was a massive help for me um yeah I went from feeling within like three sessions I went from just feeling incredibly low to back to my normal self and yeah that was just the the best um yeah do you have any tips for you know pregnant women pregnant ladies or women thinking about having a home birth after a c-section that you would like to share with anyone um I think support is the most important thing. Someone who trusts women's bodies and um, trusts their ability to birth. Uh, and I just think being um, being informed because obviously every doctor and midwife, they have their own biases and their own experience. So I think... Um, being informed and confident in your ability um, as much as possible is really important and having people who are also informed and confident um, in you is just amazing. Beautiful, beautiful advice. That's pretty much the advice I give and uh, totally believe in, of course. So thank you so much for jumping on, Emma, and sharing your stories. Um, thank you Lovely getting a little teary again, listening to your birthing story and <laughs> hearing how you felt. Yeah, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story and coming on today. Thank you for having me. Hey, me again. I just wanted to let you know that I've just created a brand new Facebook group called VBAC Home Birth Support Group where you can connect with other like-minded mothers who are looking to have a VBAC home birth as well. You can find the link in the show notes and I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for listening to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I hope that this episode has helped you take another step to finding your voice and confidence in your VBAC journey. 
If you enjoyed the episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us to help more women to find out more about VBAC home birth, just like you. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories and tag me at the motherhood circle. See you next week.